Yo, what's up everyone? This is Gary A. Swaby and you're now listening to or watching the Powercast. And uh, today we will be recapping uh, Power, Book 3, Raising Canaan, uh, Season 2, Episode 3. The title of the episode is Sleeping Dogs. And I am here with Mr. Richard Bailey Jr. How are you doing, Richard? Doing good, Gary. What's up, listeners and viewers? What's up, indeed? And I'm also here with Miss Dana Abercrombie. How are you, Dana? Hello, everyone. Excited to be here and talk more good old power. Indeed, as always. And uh, this this was a pretty explosive episode. Some some things happened. Um, and, you know, we're going to have lots of uh, interesting thoughts and discussions. Uh, we're going to get to our takeaways segment in just a sec. But, you know, just a friendly reminder, if you enjoyed the, this content, please do hit that like button. Um, you know, drop a comment. Let us know your thoughts on either the content or, you know, the actual episode of Power. Let us know your theories and everything like that. Or, you know, you can respond to something that we say. You know, all that good stuff. Also, consider subscribing to the channel, you know, if you, if you like the content and everything like that. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate everyone, you know, who, who gets involved and drops comments. You know, we're, we're, we're going to be in those comments, like, replying and responding and everything because we love chopping it up with the community. So be sure to do that. We're also on Instagram um, at Power Cars Show, So definitely follow us there, too. You can follow the, the Coalition account on Twitter and other social media platforms also. Um, so with that being said, let's get into our takeaways for episode three. And uh, this week is Dana's turn to go first. So please give us your three takeaways. Okay. So like always, I believe the biggest part of the theme of the show lies in 50 Cent's narration. And so that one would be, Everyone lies. The truth is slow and late, but the truth is coming. And so with this episode, I really felt that this is where people are starting to either make their moves, either through through lying in order to manipulation, or that's going to benefit them later on. So starting off kind of right now, we have the whole situation with Unique. Unique kidnaps Juliana, which I originally thought she was dead, but she's not. He kidnaps her and he kind of makes a deal with Raquel, stating that he wants out of the business. And Raquel, of course, is very upset. And also on top of that, he stole Raquel's money. So, you know, they try to make a deal stating that Unique is able to walk away. Isn't he saying that um, basically he has no connections no more? She took everything from him. And because of this, he just wants to retire and live that nice, peaceful life without having to look over his shoulder. But this is where the whole theme of everyone lies, the truth is slow and late. Because in the previous episode, 
we just witnessed Unique stating how he refuses to leave the business and how he was coming back with all his connections. And that right now, even though he doesn't have those connections, he feels that he is on the outside looking in. He's an outsider. And I view this as him being an observer for this episode. And if someone like Raquel is always after you, you're not able to get that full observation. So he's lying. Uh, just straightforward. He's lying in order to make another move that will cross Raquel. And like they said, you know, this, the truth is, is, is it's slow, but the truth is coming. Um, so that was one of the huge big takeaways with that because, you know, we go from him saying one thing to him acting another way, and I just don't trust him, which is a good thing. You're not supposed to trust anyone on the show, technically. My second takeaway is um, the, the whole situation with Omar, which would be Howard. Sorry, I keep calling him Omar. It would be Howard confronting his son, Kanan, again. Um, this, like I stated before, is, is he's going, I feel he's personally going about this the wrong way and he's being very aggressive. But... I think that this will also end up being maybe the unraveling of Raquel and Kanan's situation, um, their, their, their relationship. We already know that Kanan is starting to doubt his mother, but the manipulation that we've known from season one and also part of season two, I wonder how strong it'll be moving forward when he still keeps, if Howard is able to get through to Canaan, what is really going to happen and how will that unravel? And also, again, with the whole lies and the truth, I wonder how everything is going to fall apart. For me, I want another dinner scene. I feel that Power Universe does a really good job with their dinner scenes. Everything just completely falls apart. Um, so that, of course, is one thing. And then another thing is Famous and Famous's tapes. We, he's not able to really sell the music. You have the police is constantly harassing and then also just making fun of him. Um, but Kanan comes up with a really smart idea of hiding the drugs inside Famous's case. Well, the, the tape cassette. And therefore, it'll sell. And while no one's listening to his music, he still has money to probably find a place, move out of something that's not the YMCA. But one of the things that I question is, how does this still impact him music-wise? Because you're making money that you need in order to move out, but at the same time, no one's listening to your music. The crackhead at the corner is not going to actually start listening as he's pulling out the crack pipe. So I wonder how this kind of inhibits his career. It's Right now it's a temporary fix because he does need that money, but what's going to happen in the long run? He still wants to be famous. He still wants to go out there. So that's kind of my three takeaways. Nice. Yeah, excellent takeaways. You made some great points there. Um, I definitely will have more to say on that famous stuff uh, in a little bit. But um, I guess, you know, first of all, I'll follow up with, with my takeaways. Um, so... Um, for me, I guess, firstly, you know, um, we, so we saw that, you know, obviously Howard has, he's kind of opened up to Kanan a little bit, 
and he's gone as far as to tell Kanan that he is his father in this episode. And, you know, Kanan actually raises these concerns with Raquel, um, you know, after the fact. And um, she continues, you know, to to be um, delusional and manipulative in saying, you know, <laughs> she she kind of laughs it off, like, you know, how it's crazy, you know, he's a psych he's a psycho, something's wrong with him, you know, um, basically making Howard out to, you know, be crazy, like, you know, like maybe Kanan shot him crazy or something like that, you know. Um, So she kind of downplays all of it and makes, tries to make Howard look like a clown and basically tells Kanan to just wait it out and, you know, not to worry about Howard, you know, um, telling the, the, the police what happened and everything. Like she just, she tells Kanan basically just just wait it out, it will pass. He's just, you know, he's just how it's just going for a phase. So that's basically her response to, you know, Kanan's concerns. And, you know, just going off of what we were talking about last week, I definitely think this is going to backfire. Um and yeah, like she this this is not a good look for her to to, you know, keep denying it like this because we all know Howard isn't going to stop, especially with that last scene, you know, at the end where he kind of, you know, he he, he found Kanan again. And, you know, he even he even guessed what Raquel told him. You know, he basically told Kanan, you know, uh, I, bet she, I bet she told you I'm crazy. I lost my mind and all this stuff, you know, which is absolutely correct. So, you know, Howard isn't going to stop until he wins over Kanan and you know he's he's told him that you know um he's not gonna he's gonna protect him he's not gonna tell anybody what happened about you know with him shooting him so you know he's 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 already sort of building up Kanan's trust a little bit so Raquel is doing herself no favors right now and I do love her character just just because she's such a dark horse but yeah, she's she's truly psychopathic uh, at the moment with this whole with with her approach to to raising Kanan at the moment. Like she's just it is completely wrong. Like she's got it completely wrong, and this is gonna you know it's gonna cause a lot of pain down the road. So I can't wait to see how this story is gonna progress because she's setting herself up for Kanan to to inevitably hate her, if you will. Because, yeah, like she should at this point, she should be like owning up to the fact that, you know, um, Howard, she should at least like um, su- suggest to Kanan that, you know, maybe something happened in the past, you know, and he might think he might think that he's your father, but he doesn't know that for sure. Like, you know, just the fact that she's completely denying it is going to make her look terrible when the truth comes out. So, um, yeah, that's that's my first takeaway. And then um, my second is um, that, like, so the, the tension between Lulu and Crown continues. And as you see, Crown has gone to the extent of approaching Raquel, which, you know, this has really escalated the situation, just him making that move and trying to proposition her because we know that Raquel feels a certain way about Lulu and how he puts, you know, this music business before 
the street business um, and she sees it as a hobby or like a little phase phase that he's gone through. But, you know, we, we even see in this episode when um, when things are going wrong with the, the, the stash getting hit, you know, the stash coming up missing and she's trying to send a page to Lulu and he's ignoring it completely because he's working in the studio. You know, he is really, you know, he, he's putting his heart into this business, the, you know, the music and everything. Um, and he's putting it ahead of the street business. Like it, it, we see that it means a lot to him. So Crown making this deal, you know, um, we already know that he sent away Jessica. You know, he got her a, a situation in, in L.A. And he was also piping, you know, Jessica as well. Um, and, <laughs> and you know, so this is setting up a, a huge rift between those two. And I wonder how how that will end, you know, whether they end up like splitting the business, you know, maybe Lulu goes his way, Crown goes his way, and then they end up, you know, uh, in a competition. Maybe they end up competing against each other, which we've kind of seen in, in, in the music business before where, you know, a, a group or or something, you know, <laughs> a group, they kind of separate and then they end up in, you know, competition in the music business. So, they could be setting up something like that. But if Lulu is truly the street dude that he is, like he should want to kill, you know, uh, or he should want to hurt um, Crown after some of the things he's done. And, you know, going behind his back and going to his his sister, who is who happens to be the drug kingpin, um, you know, that is a very snake move. Like, and I, I just don't feel like Lulu can you know he he can't let that disrespect slide if he ever finds that out and i wonder how raquel is even going to take it you know because that is her brother so is she going to entertain this offer from crown or is she going to be a real sister and tell lulu what you know what crown said because you would think that's what a family member would do to you know basically hint at lulu yo, uh, this this dude that you're in business with, you know, he's he's coming to me trying to make propositions to get you out of the business and stuff. You know, she you, you would think she would do that. Um, and but we know that she's she's thinking like a chess player right now. She wants to make the moves that will um, help the, the, the business, the street business the most. And she really needs Lulu in her corner, especially, you know, with unique on the loose doing crazy stuff um and you know she hinted that she wants to expand and stuff to jersey so she really needs uh lulu's head you know in the game at this moment so um i guess she might see this as an opportunity you know um if she does take crown up on his offer so i want to see where they go with this with this storyline because it's it's kind of interesting um and then my third takeaway. Um, so we all know, we all saw what Unique did in this episode. You know, he uh, he he pulled up to the bodega. He uh, you know he he uh, he kidnapped Juliana, and he made a statement. He made a statement to to Raquel and basically said, "Yo, um, I want I want immunity. You know, I'm going to be around here." You know, he, he basically said, I don't want to move to another territory. This is my home. This is what I know. So I want to do what I want to do here without 
any retaliation or any any of you coming after me i want to be able to make moves so he he made he kind of made a power play you know with this um and basically sending a message that i can get to you you know if i really want to i can hurt your business you know i can you know i'm i'm crafty enough to to cause you some harm you know or do some damage to your business so don't play with me. So that that was basically the statement he was trying to make. Um, and, you know, I guess Raquel, in a way, she kind of respected it, you know, in her own little way, even though, you know, she she's not going to take this lightly. I think if she gets an opportunity to, uh, you know, clap back down the line, she's going to take it. Um, even though I feel like if they really wanted to do something, they could have done it to him um, in this episode. Like, I feel I feel like once he handed over the gun or whatever, like they could have done something to it if they really wanted to. But, um, but yeah, I feel like, yeah, he, he's, he sent a clear message to Raquel and I wonder what the consequences of this will be because Raquel clearly wasn't happy about the stash getting hit like that. And, um, I feel like she should have had, you know, I mean, you, you see my name, Bodega Security. Um, I was overseas at the time, so I couldn't really help out with that. But, you know, I think she needs to hire some other security for that Bodega, you know, because it, it was a bit too easy for, for Unique to make his move. So, um, yeah, uh, I really want to see what Unique's next move is now that we know what he's capable of. Um, and I do think that Raquel is going to have her eyes open, wide open. Um, and, you know, I, I wonder how Worrell is going to, like, she, she she could do something like have Worrell try and take him out or something. Or, you know, maybe Worrell will even switch sides. You know, they, they could still, you know, build a, a they, they, they worked together for years, I'm assuming. So, they might still have some kind of bond um, on the low and that could lead to something, you know, they, maybe they could make a move on Raquel or it could be vice versa where Raquel uses Worrell to, you know, um, to, to track unique and, and figure out what he's doing and stuff like that. So I want to see how they play that card, the, the Worrell card, like what are they going to have him do with regards to, you know, obviously they used him to find Unique in this episode, but how deep is that going to go? You know, is and is Worrell fully on Raquel's side or is he still on the fence? You know, so I want to see I want to see what happens with that, too. But those are my main takeaways for this episode. Um, and I'm eagerly awaiting to hear what Richard's uh, takeaways are going to be. So please take it away, Rich. So let me start by saying uh, excellent takeaways as always, uh, Dana and Gary. Um, well, my opinion of this episode, once again, another solid episode of Razor Canaan. Uh, I have uh, three takeaways as well. Uh, I'm going to start with one that uh, I wanted to touch upon because I thought it was pretty important. Um, I'm going to go to Jukebox for, first. So as Dana mentioned earlier, in this episode, she did exchange looks with her mom who was at church singing in the choir. Uh, but her mom didn't get the opportunity to catch up with her because she had left before they were able to, anything was able to come of that. So uh, I'll be curious to see what happens the next time 
they do eventually, I'm assuming, meet up. We'll have to see what happens. But obviously, that that is something that's going to continue, I, I believe, moving forward. But what I wanted to mention about Jukebox in this episode is that earlier in the episode, you saw that she was recording a song um, in the studio. And you saw that both Lulu and Crown thought she sounded fantastic. Uh, you know, the actress that plays Jukebox, she is very talented. She's an excellent singer as well as an actress. So she did a fantastic job. But you did see after that, they had a conversation saying that her image is an issue. Now, I am today playing the Power Image Consultant. So uh, hopefully my services will be needed in the future. We'll see about that. But what I find interesting, and I think that that's a bit of a hint as to where things are heading with Jukebox, is that they they brought up Ziza and the fact of how she looks, why she is just a very appealing and will work well as an artist. And, you know, I kind of feel like that might create some tension between her and Jukebox in the future. Again, like I said, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I, I thought it was interesting that they brought that up as a point of contention because we know in the future Power Series, Jukebox, you didn't know it, she she wasn't singing in any, in any of that other stuff. So clearly there's a reason why she stopped singing, and I'm curious to see what that is. So we'll I think we'll eventually get that answer. But what I also like about what's happening with Jukebox is just like you said, Gary, they are finding a way to intertwine that conflict with what's happening between Crown Camacho and Lulu. And the whole thing about why I think this is such a great show is because when Crown Camacho approached Raquel with this idea saying, hey, I'll, I, I, I could sell you part, a, a piece of the label uh, for next to nothing. Why that's important and it's a great callback is because from the minute that Lulu wanted to get into this business, whose money has he been using to get into this business? Raquel's money. So it's a totally different situation when now somebody owns a piece of the actual label. And again, that's going to cause a lot of tension, a lot more drama between those two characters, meaning, uh, you know, Lulu and uh a crown Camacho. So I'm curious to see where that goes. But yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that situation definitely has to come to a head as the season continues. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Um, as for my next takeaway, uh, I also did. I also was intrigued by what's happening within this Howard and Kanan storyline, because the thing is that Raquel did warn Kanan that Howard was going to be talking crazy. And it's funny how Howard knows, he just knows exactly how she would react to the situation because he told Kanan, I know your mom is going to be talking crazy, uh, all this other stuff, but I am your father. And he kept saying it over and over again. When Kanan got the news, he laughed as well. He's like, oh, that can't be true. But the more and more he's hearing about it, I think that's going to make him ponder and wonder what's going on. You also add in the fact that we know that last week Scrappy got killed, rest in peace. But the fact that Kanan was the one to bring this up to his mom, she didn't tell him. She wasn't the first one to tell him, oh, yeah, Scrappy is no longer here. He had to find out from Famous, and then he brought that to her. And that made him question, why didn't my mom tell me what happened with Scrappy? Why did I have to find out this way? And even even this whole thing about they said it's a suicide, he questioned, okay, is that true? Because I don't, I know Scrappy is not that kind of person. So I, I definitely feel that Kanan has some doubt 
about what's happening with his mom. The fact that he's still willing and open to talk to Howard for right now makes me curious to see what's going to happen moving forward. And then at the end of this episode, Howard tells him he remembers everything. He knows the cane and shot him. But the reason why, like I said, powerful line, the reason why I'm not going to tell anybody is because I would never do that to my son. So again, he's giving him all the facts, all the proof he needs to try and convince Kane. yes, I really am your father. I'm looking out for your best interests. So I'm curious to see where things go from here. Um, But yeah, I thought they did a very good job developing that conflict. And again, Raquel has been so busy with other stuff. She hasn't really been focused on this. And that means that it's going to leave uh, leave a lot of things uh, that's going to happen now as a result where Howard has the opportunity to get closer because of that. But we'll see wh- wh- where they go from here. Uh, and my final takeaway, and the both of you brought this up already, is really about Unique's plan. Now, kidnapping Juliana, going to the bodega, taking all the money and taking the videotape, it was smart to take all the evidence but, you know, they didn't kind of find out after after some time that it had to be him. You know, you saw that Raquel was freaking out in this episode when she went to the bodega and, and she had to go in there. Juliana wasn't there. The money was gone. Then she went to Juliana's house. And again, she she was having a, a problem trying to find her. And, and, and she did think that it was possible Juliana took the money and ran off. But, you know, we do know from last season who Juliana's cousin is and the fact that they're working with that cousin closely. So the fact that he was mentioned in this episode makes me kind of wonder if they're going to have an issue moving forward, because the thing about Juliana is even though at the end of this episode, you know, everything was squashed, you know, they had a conversation with unique and he agreed that yes, he's a free man. He just wants to be left alone. You already know unique is a character. He has nothing to lose. And you said this last week, Gary, the character has nothing to lose. Obviously, he doesn't have any any position of power right now, but the fact that he has an opportunity to at one point get to a position of power, that has to be very uh, alluring to him. So what I do think is going to happen is that uh, even though Worrell is working with uh, Raquel, you know, I, I kind of feel like, I, I mean, I don't really know what Worrell's reaction was to Scrappy getting killed. That We didn't really see any of that, but I kind of feel like if you're in the operation and you see somebody who was considered a loyal person just taken out like that, or, you know, you hear stories or whatever, you're going to, you're going to want to watch your back as well. So I kind of feel like even though Worrell is loyal to them right now, uh, I really do think that even though he is loyal at the moment, he can definitely still be an informant and let uh, Unique know what's happening on the inside. And I kind of feel like we're going to see how that develops uh, as the show continues. This is just my opinion. I I don't know if that's what's actually going to happen, but it kind of feels like the fact that you let Unique walk out of there, you know, you had an opportunity to take him out. And obviously they said that we can't do that because the cops know that we are, they know that they know that we, that we, we were the ones that did this if we did something. So I understand that. And also Joey Badass is a great actor. As I said last week, I don't want to see this guy get killed off yet. You know, you need to let that linger for a while. But um, the whole thing of how that went down and the fact that they took his gun, they let him walk. I kind of feel like there's no way that Raquel just knows for sure you won't have to worry about Unique. I don't think the character would be that gullible to believe that. 
So that's why I'm curious to see what happens from here on out, because we already know as a viewer that Unique is going to do whatever he can to try and get back to where he was at. It's just a matter of how he's going to do it. So I look forward to seeing what happens. But uh, overall, it was a great episode uh, for all those reasons I mentioned. And again, going back to Raquel, also a great episode because now you see the type of things that she can be in a position of being vulnerable for. Because up until this point, they have made the character look uh, just unstoppable in her actions, everything that she does. But in this episode, she was really freaking out about Juliana. And th- and again, as you say, Gary, uh, Unique wanted to d- deliver a message, and he did it. He did it. The message, he delivered it the way he needed to deliver it. Although I think uh, personally, if he did that in real life, there's no way he's walking out of there um, after that. Once they catch up to him, with three people holding him up, up at gunpoint, there's no way he's walking out of there. But I want to see what the explanation is going to be for that later. Cause there's no way he's going to just back off and not try to get involved, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, indeed. But yeah. Excellent takeaways. Um, I like your point about, you know, uh, Kanan's reaction to scrappy, you know, getting killed. Cause, cause we all know in the first season, you know, um, Raquel had, had a uh, Kanan's friend killed as well. Um, yeah. You know, now, you know, she had Scrappy killed and they lied about that too, about, you know, him committing suicide and stuff. So all of these lies, you know, um, I, th- I think Kanan, he's going to remember that. So yeah. Excellent points uh, overall in your takeaways. Um, so, and, uh, yeah, so, Dana did want to make a, a counterpoint too. I have, I have a counterpoint to Jukebox. Um, you know how you stated because of the dressing that, you know, she might have to be a rival competition to that other girl. I don't see it that way at all. I view it as when Lulu was caught, was talking to her and telling her, you know, it was Lulu and Crown that was talking about the different style of dress and how I feel she viewed it as it's a way of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she doesn't view anyone as competition, really. But it's just another form and another step to learn how to manipulate people. And that, you know, it seems to be the theme of the the overall thread for power. We have, you know, what Raquel is doing, Howard and everyone else is doing. So I feel that that is something that she's going to use to her advantage. Mm-hmm. Um with whomever the situation ends up being with. But again, we know how Jukebox ends up becoming in the end. We know that person. And I think they're slowly planting the seeds. Because Jukebox, remember, she was, you don't mess with her. She was, she was basically like a female Canaan. Mm-hmm. So I feel that this is just a step towards that and a step towards how can she be the one to manipulate others and this family because if you really look at it she's very perceptive she knows what's going on she knows everyone is lying basically but this is her acquiring those skills mm-hmm. i agree very good point yeah yeah good point uh we'll, we'll talk about that more in a sec actually because i do have a a question uh based on that but Uh-oh. uh oh Real quick, before we get to our questions and discussions, 
another friendly reminder please do drop your comments let us know what you think of uh you know anything we just said in our takeaways um let us know your thoughts and theories and also hit the like button and subscribe also um and yeah if you want to follow us on instagram the instagram is power car show so do that also um but yeah let's get right into that you know since we're talking about it so you know uh in this episode you know we see jukebox slash laverne she she actually goes to the church and sees her mother and everything she gets a glimpse of her um and i i can only imagine that that is gonna you know progress as the season goes on and they're actually going to meet and have you know some dialogue and everything like that and then we also see in this episode you know the scene that you two were just discussing um where jukebox is singing and um you know uh crown and and uh lulu make the suggestion that she should you know switch up her image to you know be more more presentable and more sellable if you will, um, to a mass audience. So um, I guess the question is like, you know, uh, because Raquel did also say like, uh, when, 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 when Jukebox asked about her mother, you know, to Raquel, uh, one of the things Raquel said was that, um, you know, she could sing just like you, like she was a very good singer. So it seems like the mother is, is, is very well known as a singer. So I'm wondering, you know, since they made it a, a, a specific point to add that scene about her image, like I'm wondering if maybe, um, you know, she's going to get close to her mother and it's going to inspire her to want to, uh, you know, be an actual singer again, like and, and really take it seriously. And maybe she will switch up her image for a time. Um Obviously, I don't think she stays that way forever because, you know, in, in, in the the, the grown-up version of power, we see that, you know, she doesn't kind of have that that sort of image. She's just a, a normal officer kind of, you know. She, I mean, she does. It's not that she doesn't look good. It's just, you know, that she doesn't have that superstar, you know, sexy kind of, you know, look going on. Um, so I'm wondering if, you know, it's the case where she, for, for, for a time, Jukebox decides to take her singing career more seriously and then she switches up her image but then maybe something goes wrong down the line, maybe with her mother or her father. And then, you know, she kind of goes back to the, the normal jukebox. So, you know, I guess my question is, what do you think of that theory? And, you know, if, if you're, if you have a different perspective on it, let us know that also, but uh, let us know what you think that scene might lead to with, you know, uh, crown suggesting that she change up her image. So, um, since we were just talking about it, and I, I believe it was uh, Richard who brought it up first. What do you think of that, Rich? Okay, well, that's a good question. Um, I personally don't think that Jukebox was going to change her image. I, w- When she had that exchange with uh, Crowd Camacho and Lulu, you saw that she, you know, you saw it when it started, Lulu was defending her, saying, no, she's beautiful. This is my family, uh, and you know, and 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 and, you, and, you, and you're taking this too far. She's just a kid. He said that to Crowd Camacho, but then he turned around and he said, "Well, no, everything he's saying is not is not wrong." And and you could see at that moment that she was taken aback that he would even say something like that. 
So what I got out of that interaction is that this is this is what starts the uh, the downward spiral of her wanting to shut herself away from Lulu. Yeah, she'll still continue to do this music stuff, but I do think this starts starts to sour the relationship uh, a bit moving forward. It starts off slowly, and then there are other things that will probably happen that will lead to that point. But I do feel as though that's what that whole interaction was about. I, I definitely don't think she's going to change her image because I just kind of feel, feel though, the fact that they would mention Ziza and how they love everything about her and she looks great and stuff like that. I kind of feel like that's going to make her look at that. And I don't know if she's going to look at this other, look at this other artist as this is who they are more in, invested in. So I want to get away from what they're doing. I, I, I don't know how it's going to unravel. But that's why I say the fact that this is also uh, connected with the conflict between Crown Camacho and Lulu, that's how you know when something happens with, with that particular working relationship, it's going to impact everybody that's around them. And also the fact that uh, Fareed, who basically is his responsibility to make sure that Ziza is taken care of, he's also connected in this as well. So that's why I say the fact that all this is connected is it's definitely going to rip apart a lot of relationships with all these characters. It's just, I don't really know how they're going to do that yet, but they can go in so many different directions with how they tell that story. Um, But yeah, to answer your question, Gary, uh, as far as her interactions with her mom, um, I don't really know what's going to happen when they have their conversation in the future. I mean, like you said, we can assume that they are eventually going to have a conversation because the way they set it up, you know, she's been interested. She wants to know what's going on, what happens with that, what happened with her mom. So I kind of feel like we can all make the guess they're going to have a conversation. Uh, but I don't really know what's going to come out of that conversation. Uh, because, again, there's a lot of time that would have to be repaired. She was not around. So I kind of feel like a lot of things would probably have to be explained. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. That That's all I can think of for sure. But um, I don't think her mom is, if they, when they eventually do have a conversation, I don't think she's going to bring up the image thing. I mean, at least I don't think, but uh, we'll have to wait and see. Interesting. Yeah, you, you make uh, good points. I definitely think that, um, you know, jukebox, her, um, you know, her, her, the way she looks at her, her, her uncle and her family, you know, her close family, I think is, is changing over mm-hmm. time uh, because, you know, it already started with her dad. And now, you know, the fact that Lulu kind of suggested that maybe she didn't take it right. Um, you know, I do think, you know, if, if she does get to know her mom, um, she might actually be more interested in, in the singing career because I feel like she's going to want to, you know, um, uh, she, she's going to want to explore that side of, you know, what she gets from her mother, I guess, like, you know, the, the stuff she inherited from her mother. So I think maybe it might make her more interested in it. But I don't know, you know, as far as the image thing, she, she might just decide to do her own thing, like just rock with her own image. So. So let me just let me just make a comment. And again, I don't really know what happens on the future of this show, but I'm just going to say this. It is possible that her mom does inspire her in certain ways, but I would say, it, 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 and this would be in truly heartbreaking fashion, something probably is going to happen to her mom. Uh-oh. And that will completely take away 
her wanting to do the music stuff. So that is possible. I think it is. Because again, like you said, on the original Power Show, the character ne- never was into singing in, in any of that stuff. So there definitely is a reason why she didn't do that as she got older. And I think we as viewers are going to find that out at some point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think we're in some uh, very tragic scenes. I think we're, we're going to see some some bad stuff happen. But, um, yeah, uh, how we get there is is the interesting part. But, Dana, uh, let us know your thoughts. What would you think about all that? Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Wrong. Um, I feel, and I don't know, that's the beauty of this show, because we can have all these theories, and we're all wrong. Because um, it can go anyway and still be good. I feel that if she was able to actually have a relationship with her mother, I you, you have to remember her mother is like she looks like she dresses from Little House on the Prairie compared to how uh, that the, the other girl in the studio dresses. Let's just be a little honest. She dresses like a church girl, very modest. You know, she has a nice little hair and her nice clothes, but she's not out there showing body parts. And I think that that is what Lulu and the other crown is suggesting, you know, show the body parts. Um, With that said, I feel again that you guys both said that Jukebox was never into like, let's go and be a global international superstar. To me, writing... And singing for her is a, is cathartic, and we really see her doubling down after the death of Nicole. Now we saw she was singing and everything else with Nicole, but it was always like a fun thing, you know. It was never like this is serious and I'm signing up for Star Search or whatever came on in the '90s. This was something that was just really fun, and it was a way for her to express herself. And she kind of stated, you know, in the very first season that while everyone was away, she just still stayed there. Um, this was not something that even with the writing, she was not 100%, hey, look at my tapes. Look at all this music that I have. It was just her saying, you know, she just stayed there. And she probably would have been better off if she did go to Virginia because she really didn't have anything left to do. I feel, again, that she's going to use this tactic as a way of manipulation, a manipulation for whatever it is that she needs and wants in the family. And I think that it's really, she does need a mother. And that is 100% true. And I feel that if her mother allows her to have a relationship with her, that, that they could have a possibility of growing stronger if she doesn't find out about her being gay. Because then again, the 90s is much different than 2022. I don't know how she's going to view her daughter, if she finds out that she is gay and her being a church woman, that is what I'm like really don't know. And I again, I want happy black joy. I want her mother to accept her, how she is, what she looks like, how she sings like everything. But I just still don't know. Um, on top of that, I feel that throughout this whole series, going through season one, that, um, oh my God, I forgot her name. Jukebox has always looked up towards Raquel. And you see how Raquel works. You see how she dresses. Granted, it's not boobies and legs everywhere, but it is way more feminized than what Jukebox wears. Jukebox has the baggy clothes, the sneakers, the baseball cap, the bubble jacket. That's what she's comfortable in. But in order for her to evolve, 
for this show, I think she may take her image more in the direction of Raquel. Because if you also just look at Raquel as it is, she walks with power. She has power. She is commanding. And as vain as it is, you know, you have to dress the part. And that is what Crown and what Lulu was saying. Doesn't mean to be offensive. They love you the way how you are. But in order to make moves, to sell things, to get people's attention, you have to dress that way. And I feel she's going to go in that direction and dress that way, even if she doesn't want to. But she, that's how you manipulate people, crowds, whatever it needs to be. That's how you're able to get them on, on your side. Again, I don't know what her end game is in terms of the manipulation part. But I do believe you don't soak in so much information about this manipulative family. And you watch this sociopath without testing some of that out. So that's my thoughts. Oh, yeah. Uh, great points uh, overall there. And, and, yeah, I mean, um, she doesn't have to go, like, you know, with, with, with the image thing, she doesn't have to go, like, all the way Lil' Kim. You know, I, f- I feel like, oh, yeah. you know, she, <laughs> she like, uh, Jukebox, she, she, would, she would be, like, cool in like the Lauren Hill kind of style because like Lauren Hill she you know she wasn't explicit showing her body and stuff but she was still you know very pretty and beautiful in her presentation so um, she could go in that kind of direction and and I guess that's kind of similar to Raquel a little bit she's a bit stylish um, you know without having to show everything so um, yeah I, I, I totally could see that but yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what they do with this whole mother um storyline though. Cause yeah, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, uh yeah, I think Dana made some some excellent points. You, she mentions Raquel in the style in which Raquel, I think that'd be a great way for them to utilize how Jukebox eventually changes her look if she does that. The only point that I was going to say real quick is that uh and this is why the writing is so good. You saw how in the first episode of this season, and even going into episode two, uh, Kanan is trying to tell Jukebox there has to be more than life than being a part of this, you know, being a part of this family business, the drug game, et cetera. And Jukebox, her mindset is that, at least from what we have seen in these first few episodes, is that she doesn't really believe that. She still, it is what it is. But the fact that her mom is a potential person that she can now get to know. I kind of feel like that as well as the singing, it kind of, they want this character to, I, I kind of feel like, like the character is going to have a moment where she's going to feel as though maybe Kanan is right. There is more to life than doing this other stuff. But again, we know some bad stuff is going to happen. That's going to lead her to go down the opposite path. So that's why I say, I really like how they made Kanan have these conversations, these heart-to-heart conversations with her about what's really going on in his life to try to make you, to show you how connected they are, how close they are, but also a reflection of what happens later because obviously things do not end well for either one of those characters. So I just wanted to point out that I think it was important for him to have that conversation because, and I think that that it was a setup to show you that maybe Jukebox is going to have some positive things that she's going to try to go after. But again, 
they're not going to turn out the way that she anticipates. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't have much more to say. Like I, I pretty much agree. Um, but uh, let me think. What was I going to say before? Uh, I don't know. Any more final thoughts on jukebox? We'll we'll get to the next one. But um, you got anything else? I, I pretty much agree with uh, what what Rich just said. Go ahead, Dana. No, I'm gonna just say that she she's starting to be. She was always interesting to begin with, but I'm really liking how they're slowly rolling her out. Absolutely, yeah. She is a a very strong character in this show, um, and and that's what I really love about this show. It has so many like like dominant characters like you know that are you know very prominent so it's it's an excellent mix of characters i think um and jukebox is definitely one of them but um so let's let's move on to famous um so (laughs) we see he he's kind of homeless you know um and although kanan has kind of like stepped away from the family business he's still kind of doing some some you know um some very criminal criminalistic things like he's 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 stealing <laughs> he's stealing products from his own family and you know selling it with with famouss uh you know tapes and everything to help him get a place so you know the question I have is basically you know uh we see crown even um he kind of offered famous to help him out as well like so maybe he might actually help him find a place in the next episode um or something like that but um the question is you know if famous does eventually end up getting his own spot you know um and since kanan is helping him out so much do you possibly feel like kanan might actually move out in the season like w- would he end up moving in with famous you know especially if there's some kind of rift at the home you know with this howard situation so is that something you could see happening uh what do you think rich let's go to dana first actually yeah okay okay um yeah here's the thing um i don't fully know the i believe he's what is he 16 17 at this point i don't know the age but he's not 12 um, the point that I want to make is he's growing up. He's becoming a man. Um, remember, we had that whole thing so far in season two. Why can't you stay little? Why can't you be my little son? Here's some milk, dear. Would you like some milk before you go to bed? He's growing up. He's becoming a man. He's seeing things for himself. You know, he's exploring. And he stated previously, is there something more to life than this? The first way in order to do that would be to move out, to go out there and explore and see what else is there in life. Friendship-wise, relationship-wise, people-wise, environment-wise. You know, he had that little taste of Virginia. Why not continue that with your little taste and in, in move into Amos's place or whomever's place? They can get something together. Um, I feel that that is the best way for him to grow. And I do feel that there will be tension soon between Kanan and Raquel. And we can look at it one way or another. Maybe it's not famous that he runs to. What happens if he continues to listen to Howard? What if he lives with Howard? So 
That's one thing. But I think the best way for him to explore and evolve is to leave. Yeah, definitely. Go, uh, go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I agree 100% with everything that Dana said. And I think that was a very good observation of you, Gary, to ask that question. Because I didn't think about that when Crowd Camacho did say that he was going to try to help Famous. I never thought of the idea, yeah, can, is it possible Kanan could live with him? That That is a strong possibility. Um, obviously, we'll have to see. But I also will say this, you know, we know that Crown Camacho, he likes to party, you know, and so I don't really know if uh, that is the best environment, you know, and of course the people that he's he's close with. I mean, we don't know much about these other people that have this other place that uh, he's going to attempt to get for Famous. But depending on how those people move, how they operate, that may not be a good thing for Famous because obviously he should be focused right now on his music, trying to do what he can to to write some more lyrics so he can put out a new a new song. And I kind of feel like a lot of that other stuff would be uh, more distractions if you're in an environment where people are always partying, drinking, whatever. So we have to see how those people are if Crowd Camacho is able to get the place for him and how that impacts his productivity moving forward. But because Kanan is such good friends with him, I definitely think that that can happen. Like like you both said, it really depends on what's happening right now with this conflict that is going on between the back and forth between Howard and Raquel. Because clearly they're playing games. Howard has been honest about what he has said to Kanan, but Raquel wants Kanan to believe otherwise. So it really depends on how all this stuff comes to a head. But I think the fact that uh, Kanan is starting to question some stuff that his mom says, like what, like all the stuff that happened with Scrappy and the fact that she didn't tell him about Scrappy before he found out. All of these are signs that he's going to try to, I think, start to push away from her. But what that means, I guess we'll have to wait and see. Can I just add one more thing? Um, yeah. I am looking at this situation as me just not trusting anyone. So if, say, for example, Camacho is able to get famous a place to stay and it's not like the projects of uh, New Jack City, what does Camacho want in return? Because if you look at everything, he's like, let me help you and let me do this and let me talk about this. Okay, but what do you want in return? I don't think it's for us to be best friends. I think yeah. that there be maybe another alternative down the line. And we kind of seen how Camacho is with Lulu and the sneakities of that going to Raquel and being like, hey, I want him out of this music business, just like you. There's, there's a certain thing about Camacho where he has alternative motives. And mm-hmm. the way that even how he approached Raquel with the audacity, the, the, the gumption and the gall, I feel that he has something else for Famous. Famous you know, could be at the point where he's really easy to manipulate. Oh, I helped you during your one time. You saw how he approached him when he was like, I can even, I can, let me go look and have a conversation. He hugged him. Yep. And yes, mm-hmm. you, you've been very grateful. There's nothing wrong with that. But I just don't understand what Camacho's full intentions are. And I don't view him as someone of pure heart. Yeah, I agree. I definitely feel like he has uh, ulterior motives and, you know, he has that close connection with Jessica. So it could be a case of, you know, he wants to look out for famous to look even even better, you know, 
uh, for Jessica, like, because if he's able to yep. say, I, I looked out for him while you were away. And then, you know, while I was looking out for him, I also made him a star. You know, we did some music together. You know, that will, you know, boost his his image with, with Jessica and make him look better than, you know, Lulu. So um, it could be some of that also. But um, but yeah, great thoughts. Uh, did you have something else you wanted to add, Rich? Oh no, I was gonna say yeah, I agree with those points. Those those those, those are yeah, I, I agree with pretty much everything that was said. If there's anything I would add is, yeah, I mean, y'all also recall last season that uh, Lulu didn't quite get along with Famous that that well, you know. And then when they started to work together, he kind of sort of changed his tune. But again, this is why it's such excellent how everything is tied together because. Crowd Camacho and Lulu are obviously headed for a collision. So this puts a situation where Famous, because of what Crown Camacho did for him, he may side with him. So you see, this is why I say it has a ripple effect across the board. So we have to see how everything turns out. But uh, yeah, I agree with pretty much all the points that were said on, on this topic. Awesome. Yeah, so uh, any final thoughts on that one before we get to uh, Raquel? Rest in peace, Famous. Oh, so you, you think Famous is going to be Tupac? You know is- what I don't is, again, it's me not trusting things. I think that he's going to still be Pookie. An accidental Pookie. He's into the weed. There's nothing wrong with that, but things get laced. Things get mixed up. We don't know what's really going on. And so I just, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a little pookie-ish. Yeah, he, he is on a slightly destructive path. So, you know, if he does end up getting his own place and, you know, he's free to, to do whatever he wants, yeah, that could be dangerous for, for someone like him. Um, so He yeah, might be I, easy to manipulate. That's another thing. Yeah, that too. That too. But um, yeah, definitely chime in in the comments, people. Let us know what you what you guys think of that. Um, so I guess since we're you know this relates to what we were talking about a little bit also. But do you actually think that Raquel is going to take Crown up on his offer and you know basically buy into the the, the music business with him? You know, as may, maybe she'll be a silent partner. So, you know, Lulu won't even know. And, you know, once she does that, um, uh, you know, Crown could basically go to Lulu and be like, you know, we, we just got bought by a silent partner and they want you out of the business. You know, something like that could happen. So do you think do you think basically Raquel is going to take him up on that offer? Um, and you want to go first, Dana? Well, here's the thing about that, that I'm, again, piecing together some puzzles and pieces that probably might not work at the end. But remember, Crown was listening in on Raquel and Lulu's conversation about the whole situation of the robbery and the Colombians. So I feel that maybe he could use something about that to get a way in. Um, I don't really know. But in terms of him continuing his music and wanting him to get out, I, I I feel that eventually that might happen. Um, maybe they'll end up coming against someone. I mean, they already mentioned the Colombians. Maybe the Colombians or something will, will come in, and because uh, Unique is preoccupied with music, 
and the studio, he's not there to help. So that's when you're going to still kind of push him out of the music thing in order for him to get back on the streets. Because remember, Crown did say um, he doesn't want him in the studio. He wants him back in the streets. And she did say that she's not going to tell Lulu. And I kind of believe her at this point. I think that she can use Crown, maybe not now, but in the end, later on, down the line. Like She's very smart. She knows how to take in information and then later come back to them and be like, hey, remember you told me that one thing? And that's how that can happen there. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's that's a, a good point. Uh, Rich, what, what do you think of that? Any thoughts? Yes, uh, to answer your question, Gary, 100% yes, she will take him up on that offer. They, they, they have been teasing for the longest time. They've been showing you how angry she is that he's always making time for music. But when she tries to, she, there's an emergency and she needs him there immediately, all these pages, he's not answering. Um, so it, it, it feels to me like that is the direction it's going to go. It's going to, is this, this, this is what you are seeing right now is a slow build to that moment. And once that happens, uh, there's going to be a lot more chaos that happens after that. This is probably something that I'm pretty sure he'll find out about. They'll probably strike a deal. And this is probably something that Lulu will find out by the end of the season. And that means that season finale is going to be kind of pretty explosive, I would say, but that's just my guess. But yeah, it's, it's headed in that direction. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I think just the fact that, you know, it was kind of brought up, I think, you know, and, and, and just seeing that Raquel is clearly bothered by the fact that Lulu, you know, is ignoring pages and stuff. I think, yeah, she definitely would take up this offer and it is definitely going to cause friction uh, within the family down the line if, if she does do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I think she'll she'll uh, take him up on, on the offer. Um, I mean, you know, considering their blood, she should, you know, tell Lulu that what what Crown, you know, um, offered her and everything. But yeah, she she's not going to do that because she's she her mind is clearly on manipulation right now. Like she's in manipulation mode. So um, yeah, she she she's going to take him up on the offer for sure. Um, and just you know, bouncing off of that. Um, so, you know, we, the, the, the show ended with that scene with Kanan and Howard, and it's starting to seem a little bit like Kanan is being more receptive now to Howard, um, you know, and his claim of being his father. So what do you see coming next for that, you know, is is Howard, you, did you think Kanan needs further convincing that he's his father or, or you know, do you think he kind of trust him with it already and he might just want to you know start getting to know him um i think he he did do a dna test right so he could maybe show that as proof as well do you think he's going to do that you know do, is he going to go to that extent and show him the dna test you know uh what do you think is coming next for that whole howard Kanan, and raquel triangle um you know so i'll go to you first this time rich that's a very good question. Um, so I think that Kanan is he's going to still, you know, be communicating with his mom, but he might be a little distant and not, you know, be really short when he says certain things to her and not really tell her some information and definitely conceal some things about how he truly feels. Because up until this point, 
like he's been he's been he's been he's been open about whenever something happens like he told her in this episode yeah how would approach me again and all this other stuff so i kind of feel like slowly but surely he's probably going to try to hide hide some things away from her um the other thing that i think is interesting though as i said you know howard will i think like you said he's more receptive to howard so howard will do what he can and maybe they will get a little bit closer moving forward but the other thing that i think is very interesting we didn't really address this yet is that you saw that Burke is really, really starting to really investigate and watch Howard. You saw that Howard had the uh, escort that slept over his place and Burke was right outside, uh, saw her leaving. So she knows that Howard has some secrets that he hasn't told her. Um, so I kind of feel like if she sees Kanan and Howard around together, I feel like it's only a matter of time before she catches she catches them having a conversation out somewhere or whatever. Now that's that's something that she's going to be even more curious about why that's happening. So uh, I definitely would look for that in the future because the way they have set up all of this stuff with her asking her father and then asking her one of one of her other coworkers slash uh, love interests about Howard and whether or not he can be trusted. I, I I think this is is heading in that direction. So I'm curious to see how that all comes to a head. But uh, yeah, I do think Kanan is going to be uh, more accepting of Howard, but we'll have to see what happens from here on out. Oh, yeah, you made some excellent points there. Um, I, I definitely feel like, you know, Burke, you know, I, I, there, I think there's going to be a rift between Burke and, and Howard because, you know, she, she knows he's hiding things and possibly protecting Raquel and Kanan. So I think that is going to cause a big rift there. Um, and yeah, yeah, that could cause some serious complications with um, Howard and his standing um, as as a police officer and stuff. So um, I'm interested to see where they take that. Um, and you know, regarding what you said about Howard, uh, I could definitely see maybe you know Kanan trying to to see Howard more, and you know, hide trying to hide it from his mother as well. Like you know. Maybe he'll he'll be he'll be curious to hear him out, and um, you know if if Howard is able to prove it, I think it could be a situation where he tries to see him behind Raquel's back or something of that nature. So um, yeah, may, maybe we'll see that. But Dana, what's your thoughts on this whole Howard Raquel Canaan triangle at the moment? See the thing regarding Shannon, the partner, you know, being the wild card in the situation. She did, from, from what I remember, have a conversation with her father. Her father is a police officer as well. And with that, you know, he kind of stated, um, don't wonder about your partner. That in order for you to make everything work is you, you have your lives depend on the trust that you each have with each other. And so that can go in the way of leave him alone, let him do him. But there's a, something about that little curiosity that she has that I don't think is going to be the case. Um, and so I do feel that she is going to end up finding out more things about what is going on with Howard. And maybe we'll have to come between whether or not he's, she's going to turn Howard in. Or if, if something screws up majorly, she's going to turn Howard in. Um or if she's going to just ignore the whole situation. And I think that that's something that she might have to wrestle with for this. 
um, duration of the season, probably. Um, now, going back to the whole Howard and Kanan situation, I believe that he is very determined. And one of the things that he did say um, in the previous episode was that he was reborn. Remember, he came back and the cancer's gone and the bullet's gone and his lungs are back together again. So he feels like he's reborn. And I wonder if this means that we're going to see a different side to him that we haven't seen before. Yes, he's very aggressive um, in, in terms of reaching out to Kanan. Um, and yes, a, Raquel is looking at him a little bit sideways, and you can see that she's becoming upset with the situation, especially the more that Kanan keeps talking about it. But what if Omar offers a way of understanding and just another different way of Kanan thinking about things? And what if he offers that side of life that is like, hey, this is not what, what this is, there's more to life than what you're, what, what's going on. I want to be the change in the family, technically, because he's part of the family. Um, and so he offers that to Kanan. Again, we know what happens to Kanan in the end, but we don't know where that turning point ended up with. So what if he actually does build a relationship with Omar? I mean, Howard. I keep calling him Omar. I'm sorry. Uh, but what happens if he keeps building that relationship with Howard and then something that his mother does to Howard is the one that turns him and he walks away completely and he, you know. Um, but I feel that it would be the way to evolve with the show to not make it the same thing would to bring Howard in and to have him be that comforting role situation and I know that the family was like, you know, we don't trust cops. So they really, really reeled that in to the first season so that when we got that plot twist, we was like, oh, snap. Um, but what if this is to show that Kanan once did trust cops and that was because he was his father? It just adds another, another layer and another dynamic to the show that I think would be really great because they're not playing this straightforward. Oh yeah, excellent point. Yeah, I, I do like this the whole um, you know, parallels and the cycle of, of like cops and you know being intertwined in, in jukebox and Kanan's story, you know, because you know, we we know that jukebox ends up being a cop and now we know that you know Kanan's father is a cop and and also how does Kanan die, you know? Um he, he dies in a shootout with, with the cops. So it's a. Uh, it's very poetic the way this story came out. It's a way to honor his father. I'm with your dad. <laughs> I'm one of you. The cops took me out. <laughs> you brought me into this world, and the cops are taking me out of this world. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, it seems like this this whole cop thing is is plays a huge theme in the Stark family. Clearly, um, but yeah, I do want to see how what what the nature of their you know, relationship would be, you know, if, if they begin to, you know, bond on, on, on a regular basis, you know, um, because there is that subject of morality because his mother has taught him one way of thinking his whole life. Like he's been around the drug business and everything. So if he begins now being around Howard, you know, he's going to see a completely different, like a completely conflicting perspective on things so 
yeah, it, it's going to be good to see how that affects the character for, for sure. So uh, excellent thoughts from Dana there. But um, any more thoughts on, on that, you know, the triangle between Kanan, uh, Raquel and Howard before we move on? I just really want to quickly say how sad it was. I know it's not to say sad, but Howard really has no one in terms of relationships. So the prostitute. Like, I just wanted to give him a hug and be like, someone loves you out there. Nothing is wrong with the prostitution situation. Do you, boo? But still, we're going to find you someone. You are loved. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he could he could find someone if he really wanted to. I, I don't know. I guess he, he just wants some quick thrills right now. Um, but yeah, you know. Uh, he, he's doing his thing with, with the prostitute, so. But no, here's the thing about the thing. It wasn't the fact that, hey, bang, bang, and that's it. If you really looked at it, remember, he had to, he was talking about Canaan to the prostitute. That's his sense of, I feel he has all this, this emotion bottled up, and we don't see him with friends. We don't know anything if he has family. And so he just does not have that, that way to express himself and to get everything off his chest. So that's just what kind of made me really sad yeah and and you know what i like about that like it's very it feels very real because like in the black community right it's like because to me it's like he's he's treating that prostitute as a therapist almost like the way he's opening up to her and stuff and that's like very real for the black community because it's like we were never really exposed to therapy you know back in those days and stuff like that was it was like never a thought in our mind that we could do like have a therapist you know back then um so we would use other means of getting that i guess you know whether it be drugs or partying or you know whatever like you know prostitution whatever like sleeping around you know so it's it's very real of how you know the black community it or has been in the past you know because now Today, we're more receptive to therapy and, and other things like that. But yeah, back then, we just kind of had no understanding of like mental health and taking care of our, our you know, mental health and stuff like that. So that is a very, you know, um, real thing. And, and like you said, it's, it's sad and it's compelling at the same time. So, And yeah. also, therapy can be transformative. Look at Marvin. He didn't kill the dude in the wheelchair. <laughs> yeah. He breathed it out. He was like, and then he goes, and he breathed it out, and everyone lived to see it. That was one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they showed that that Marvin, the therapy is working, but we also know that he's going to find another way to relieve some stress uh, in, in the future. Uh, if that that has already been hinted at, especially how flirtatious he was with uh, uh, Renee, the therapist, and uh, she obviously still is 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 interested as well so we'll see what happens <laughs> okay so, so rich thinks they're going to get together dana what do you think you think uh marvin and can Renee... we please not be so basic can he like just call up howard's um lady of the night instead <laughs> oh, you, you don't want him to ruin renee is no don't i don't want him to, to ruin renee maybe we're maybe renee will ruin him boom so oh, no really? It's just so stereotypical. And it wouldn't it be better if he tries, because he was trying to charm her and flirt with her, and then she's like just this rock that's like new. Yeah. Face your demons. Breathe. 
Yeah, well, she, go ahead. You know Rich. what? You know what would be an interesting twist is that yes, he does get with her, and then he he then he finds out she has a ton of problems because they make her look like as a therapist, she's all set, she don't have any issues, but she everyone got something they going through behind the scenes. So I, that's probably what will happen if they do get together. He's going to find out she got some other issues behind the scenes, but we'll see. Yeah. You know what they say? Uh, therapists need therapists too. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. But um, yeah, that is going to be it for, for this week's episode um, of the Powercast. That was uh, episode three of season two. Um, very much looking to the next episode. Uh, before we get out of here, let's get a quick round of shout outs. So uh, Dana, you got any shout outs for us? I have a final thought that I would like to sneak in there really quickly um, that wasn't mentioned at all that actually I think is the theme of the whole show. Cartier. Cartier came in there and remember when he was inside the, when he was at the studio and when Raquel burst in there and she was like, boom, and he was like, oh my God. And then he started to recite Shakespeare's first sonnet, right? And the whole thing it says, from the fairest creature we desire increase that thereby beauty rose might never die. And that was like to woo her. And she's like, you ain't gonna woo me. The point, reason why I bring this up, I love Shakespeare. There's an actual really dark meaning behind that sonnet that could be a metaphor for this show and for Raquel. So for those who do not know, um, the first sonnet is basically saying, one second, I'm sorry. Um, oh gosh, I just lost the whole page. Sorry, sorry. Yes, here we go. So here's what the first sonnet actually means. It's about the briefness of human life. Time and death will destroy even the fairest of living things. Who is untouchable at this moment? Raquel. And what is also the whole theme? Everyone lies, the truth is slow and late, but the truth is coming. Meaning that anything that's coming to you is meant to come for you. Just give it time. Match that up with the sonnet about, you know, basically, did you did, did, death and life and death will destroy even the fairest of living things. I'm starting to wonder what's going to start happening to Raquel. Are the certain moves that she's making and people counteracting against her in the shadows going to reap her downfall? So I just wanted to say that. Also, sorry, also another part of that is um, the whole thing is about, the sonnet in general is about reproducing. And like, hey, you, if you, you'll all die and you'll be destroyed, but what happens if you reproduce? In a way you get to live on forever with that but instead the person decides to not reproduce and therefore it's a form of self-destruction and it's wasteful so not in terms of like the sexual reproduce but i just kind of wonder what's going to happen to raquel in that sense of being self-destructive because right now she's acting in a way that she wants certain things but she wants it right now And if you look at that whole situation with her wanting to move into New Jersey and that territory, remember she was looking at property 
and even Lulu and Marvin was like, well, let's slow down a little bit. And yes, Lulu, he wants to concentrate on the business side, but when Marvin starts saying, let's slow down a little bit, because remember, he doesn't have a side thing. He's still with Raquel. I think that she could be moving too fast in a self-destructive way. So that's it. So, uh, let me start and say that that is an outstanding observation. So I have to give you a round of applause, Dana. And and I was just going to make this quick comment. Um, yes, for all the bad things that have been done, there is a price to be paid. But I also find it very interesting how another fantastic show that we have spoken about, Gary, Snowfall, and the character Louie and her transformation as a character. Obviously, that character also has some things coming to her. So I find it very interesting how you have these two characters on two separate shows that are pretty much in a similar situation. They both are in a position of power. You saw how Louis wanted to expand and how it changed her behavior, her mindset, and how she approaches business. And you're going to you're now seeing the same thing with Raquel now that she's running everything, but now she wants to expand even further. So I can't wait to see where things go from here with that character. But that was excellent, excellent observation uh, for sure. I, so I had to give credit for that. Oh, yeah, props on that for doing that research on that sonnet. And I, I know you know your Shakespeare, so, no, Shakespeare. Yeah. yeah. Also, the closing song was Backstabbers. Yes, classic song. And it could be smiling <laughs> in your face all the while they want to take your place. What's you yep. doing? Smiling in your face. Oh, please let me go. I want to be peaceful. Smiling. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, uh, did you also have any shout outs, Dana? Oh, yeah. Basically, thank you to everyone who is watching um, and listening to us. We really enjoy these shows um, on the site. We will be having more interviews with the cast of Power. And you can look forward to that as well. They will also be in video form on the YouTube channel. So check that out. And once again, thank you. Awesome. Uh, and Rich, uh, let us know your shout outs. And if you have, you know, any other quick thoughts as well, you can uh, let us know too. Oh, no. I, I listen, I'm enjoying this season of Razor Canaan so far. So excellent job by stars and team. Uh, shout out to you both. As always, always enjoys having these conversations. And a shout out to all the people that are continuing to support the show. Uh, we definitely appreciate your feedback, your comments. So feel free to let us know what you thought about some of the topics that we discussed. Uh, and if you do like the content, like, consider subscribing, and definitely stay tuned for more discussions to come. But thank you for your continued support, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, likewise, I agree. Big uh, shouts to all the supporters or the people who consistently leave comments and get engaged with us uh, every week. You know, uh, we appreciate all of you. you. You guys make this, you know, thing special. You make it worth doing and worth coming back to. So big thanks to all of you. Uh, big shouts to Dana on, on the interviews and stuff. Um, looking forward to all those. And yeah, uh, that is going to be it. We will be back next week to recap episode four of uh, Raising Canaan season two. So look out for us. Take care, everybody. Peace out.